What's up, coaches? Hope you had a great Easter weekend with your family. I know we did. We had absolutely gorgeous weather down here in Texas. And now we're ready to get rolling with episode number eight of KYPD. Today we're talking to Coach Chris Gistorp, D-line coach and co-defensive coordinator at Angleton High School in Angleton, Texas. Coach Gistorp grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana, and played two years of JUCO ball at Pearl River Community College in Mississippi before transferring to the University of Louisiana, where he played defensive tackle for the Raging Cajuns. After GAing at his alma mater, Coach G moved to Coppers Cove, Texas, where he coached junior high, and then at Coppers Cove High School. From Coppers Cove, Coach Gistor moved on to Cypress Ridge High School in Cypress, Texas, we're heading to Angleton. In Coach G's career, he's reached the 5A state championship game and the state semifinals with Coppers Cove, and then helped Angleton to the regional finals in 2015. Today, Coach G is talking about the importance of eye discipline with the defensive line, and why they play their ends in a two-point stance in their even front, and how he feels it gives them an advantage. We also talk some pass rush and why young coaches shouldn't be afraid of taking a junior high job early in their career. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. Okay, Coach Gastor. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us now. Uh, you're from Louisiana, and now you're coaching in Angleton. So fill in the gaps for us. Tell us how you uh, how you got to Houston from uh, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, thanks for having me, man. I think it's a great thing you're doing, and I really appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, as far as uh, me coming, uh, getting uh, to Angleton, you know, from Louisiana, I started out my career in Coppers Cove, Texas, uh, which is in the central part of the state. I had a, a roommate that was from Coppers Cove, and I had a uh, – one of my college coaches who was also uh, coaching at Coppers Cove at that time. And we just happened to go over to uh, Coppers Cove for an event. And, you know, and I got to catch up with the guy that had, you know, one of the, my college coaches. And he asked me, you know, what were, what were you know, my plans uh, after, uh, you know, after, after college, what, you know, what did I want to do? And I told him I wanted to coach and, you know, I want to coach and, uh, you know, I love to coach in Texas. He said, well, shoot we need to get you over here. And that's kind of, you know, how, how it started. And yeah. I uh, ended up over there in Coppers Cove and, and uh, spent several, several years over there and, 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 and couldn't have, uh, couldn't have asked for a better place to start my career. It was, it was truly a, a, a uh, truly a blessing to be able to start my career over there at Coppers Cove. You know, I started over at Coppers Cove junior high and that's the, the, the way that, you know, coach Welch does it. You know, he brings, uh, you know, he, regardless of your, your your experience or your background anything like that uh he likes to start you know the young guys out at the junior high and i tell you what that was that was that was a true blessing because i was able to uh learn you know playing football you know just getting done playing college football you think you know a lot of ball right but uh, until you, you you're able to <laughs> coach junior high football you find out like man <laughs> and i still tell guys man you ain't coach football until you had to coach junior high football yeah. Boys, so that's kind of how i started you know started over there with those guys and I, I wanted to get back uh closer to louisiana and i transitioned to the houston area I had opportunity at uh cypress ridge high school uh so i transitioned over there with coach gary thebod a uh, great guy uh, another great mentor of mine uh spent several several years there uh, then I came to Angleton. One thing I, I truly missed about uh, Coppers Cove was just that that one horse town, uh, yeah. where you know f- exactly what you're getting from seventh grade, you know, pretty much on up. And, and people uh, 
They they everybody in that particular town they want to be a part of that high school and everything you got going on. So I felt like Angleton uh, uh, presented a great opportunity to get back in a one horse town and at the same time still be within the Houston area and close to my uh, family in Louisiana. Yeah. Let, let's let's backtrack a little bit because you know we talked about you being from Louisiana and you mentioned a roommate from Coppers Cove. Uh, tell us who that roommate was because that wasn't just any roommate. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, uh, Peanut Tillman, Charles Tillman. He he was uh, uh, my roommate uh, in college. You know, we came in the same recruiting class. Uh, actually, we we visited uh, the university on the same exact weekend, and, and we kind of hit it off from there. You know, throughout college, you know, you end up with with you, you know you live with several different roommates, but he ended up being one of my last roommates there. And, and like I said, we, we, I mean, he's truly, he's like a brother to me. So we, we still, you know, until this day, we're uh, extremely close. Yeah. Well, and, and of course the, the college you're referring to is Louisiana Lafayette. Or, uh, or the, yeah, University of Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Louisiana. Yeah. Louisiana, University of Louisiana, my fault. And so talk to us about that, that, you know, your playing experience there. Was it there that you first realized you wanted to coach? When was it you first realized or you had an inkling or you had an idea that you, this is what you wanted to do for a living? Man, I tell you what, I, I, I knew I wanted to coach before I even realized uh, that I was going to play. Yeah. You know, so a, as a kid, you know, I'm sure, you know, just like a lot of coaches, you know, grew up and I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, I just, from sun up to sundown, just was always outside, you know, just – with a football in my hand, just yeah. all, you know, I, I love the game. Um, I probably my my earliest recollection. I, I just I had an uncle uh, who was a, a coach in Texas, a longtime coach in Texas, James Blackwell. He coached in the, in the Dallas area, and he also played uh, football in college. And so I, I was like, man, I want to be you know just like my uncle. You know, he yeah. you know he, he yeah. played, and and now he's a coach. And so I, you know, I wanted to be like him. So that's that's kind of I think the first real memory I have of, of, of wanting to like, man, you mean I can earn a living coaching football? That's, that's great. You know? Yeah. And so that's kind of my first early memory of uh, wanting to be a coach. And then as I, you know, transitioned and got older and I got into high school, uh, I was, I was uh, grateful to have a uh, play for uh, coach Butch Stoker at Alexander senior high. And I had a defensive line coach, coach Don Bonia, who was, Man, I tell you what, he he was he was he he kind of really made it. He solidified it and made it like, man, this is what I want to do. I'm going to be a coach, and, and it was more so because of just the way he, the impact he had on me, you know, personally uh, throughout that time of my life, and just the the fact of uh, he was just a great he was a great teacher, a uh, great teacher of the game, great teacher of fundamentals of defensive line play, and uh, he was just a guy that I really looked up to. And uh, continue to look up to uh, until this day. And I, like I said, our head coach, uh, Coach uh, Butch Stoker, he was, uh, you know, his son was is, is still a, a current college coach, uh, but he was another guy that next I looked up to, spent a lot of time watching film with, and just l- learning how to play uh, tough, hard nosed uh, defensive football. Yeah. Well, Coach, talk to us about maybe your time playing college ball. What was a, a highlight for you? Uh, in your playing career there? Man, I tell you, you know, I started out um, at Pearl River Community College in Mississippi. And, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, a place where, I, you know, I spent two years there before I transitioned to, uh, to Lafayette to finish up. And 
you know, obviously outside of probably some of the biggest memories and, 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 and highlights I would say from, from college that, you know, just kind of like with anyone that, that has played, just, just the stuff that, that you, the grind, just enjoying the grind, yeah. just being in the locker room around the guys, you know, some of those type things, uh, obviously, you know, playing in front of a, a lot of people and, and, and big teams, big stadiums, uh, big players in particular, uh, you, you, you remember some of that, uh, from a success standpoint, and Lafayette, we didn't have great success as a team. So I can't say I had, I have very many highlights from overall team success as far as wins go. But right. one thing that we did have a lot of, we had a lot of, uh, a, a lot of talented guys. We had a lot of talented guys, uh, you know, several guys, you know, a lot of people don't realize that at one corner we had Charles Tillman at the other corner we had Ike Taylor wow you know, so we yeah we had we had we had, I played with some uh some tremendous uh you know gifted teammates we just right. it was just one of those things that those were the days of, of playing uh independent football we weren't in a conference until my senior year and if if you know if you remember what playing an independent schedule looked like I yeah. mean every week you playing anywhere from a Texas to a A&M Every week you were, you were playing top twenty five caliber team when, yeah. on an independent schedule. Yeah. So I think the, the my last year was the first year of the actual what the Sun Belt Conference is yes. uh, now, and I think the uh, I, you know I, we we were able to lay some groundwork for what the the program has and is continuing to grow into uh, as of today. Absolutely zero regrets uh, about uh, like I said I love. I'm a, I'm a raging Cajun, you know, through and through. Um, I met a lot of great people there, and and so those were some of the the highlights I have. Just just the people and just the teammates I had, and just the overall camaraderie of uh, of being a raging Cajun. Yeah, and, and coach, you, you you I think you nailed it. I think a lot of kids, especially playing today, they don't understand that the stuff that they're complaining about now as far as football goes, you know, the grind and just the, the countless hours, that's the stuff that you tend to miss once you get away from it because it's hard to recapture that anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, and and so, yeah, that's – that's uh, you hear that all the time no matter what level of football guys played, that it's, it's, it's always the locker room stuff. It's the camaraderie with the guys, uh, you know, everyone pulling towards that common goal that, that you really miss and that, again, it's hard to – to get that anywhere else again so i'm backtracking a little bit so you're this you, know, you play football uh in college at, at university of louisiana and and now you go from there to coaching junior high now that had to be again you've already kind of touched on it but a, but a little bit of a a change for you and and a, and a growing process there so tell us some things you mentioned this about you know learning from from junior high tell us some things you learned from coaching junior high football uh some of the things i learned from coaching junior high football was the you know just it really kind of things you take for granted you know you just you know after a while you play football for so long you just you you assume that everyone knows that uh thigh pad is a thigh pad and uh, <laughs> you know not so just the, the little things yeah, the little yeah. the, the, the little things of uh just the little intricate details of you know you know you, you, know, you put your cleats on this way you you know you know your helmet your your pad goes here you know just little things like that right um right uh but I think more than anything, man, just learning, learning, you know, how to work, learning what it meant, you know, learning. Uh, I enjoyed being able to go out on, on, 
you know, of course, the junior high guys, we're, we're the, the scout guys. You're going right. out, you know, three weeks at a time. So I enjoyed this stuff, you know, learning how to go, you know, scout and, you know, uh, breaking down film, doing whatever those the, the high school coaches uh, asked us to do. You know, and at Copper's Cove, I'm not sure how it is in, in, in a lot of other places as far as junior high coaches, but at Copper's Cove, you know, the, the junior high coaches are really kind of like graduate assistants. That's kind of how Coach right. Welch ha- has that thing kind of, you know, had it set, set up. You know, we really uh, just from everything from film to, you know, all the different duties you had to do. And, and I, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I learned a lot about, uh, you know, being a coach. And it, and it also helped, too, at that time. You know, we were extremely, you know, that junior high group, we were extremely, extremely talented, you know, we, we, you know, so some of those, like my first group of guys, I think uh, three, four, maybe five of them, I think went to the, to the NFL, you know, wow. like that were in, within that junior high group. So yeah. that, you know, it's like, wow, this, if this is what <laughs> coaching is, man, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a lucky guy. Yeah. Well, coach, and, and I think a lot of guys coming or getting into coaching, you know, they can sometimes view junior high as sort of a, uh, maybe a job that they're too good for or something they're really not interested in. But I think you hit it that, you know, there's so many skills that you learn in coaching on that level that are going to equip you for, you know, for better jobs on down the road. And it, it's really not, doesn't really matter where you start, just get in there and get after it and, and catch someone's eye and, and show that you can be responsible and accountable for the job that you have and and pretty soon those guys will notice on the varsity level and and they're going to find you a spot the first opening uh they have on on the varsity staff you're going to be the guy they're looking at to fill that spot without a doubt without a doubt and i and i honestly feel that was you know granted it was my first job but i think the camaraderie that i built with those guys like i said it's two it's two junior highs in in coppers cove and so the, the camaraderie we, we built as a junior high staff overall, we, we kind of grew and ended up all kind of being up at the high school together. Those those guys are, are man, t- until the, to this day, are some of the guys that I'm still extremely close with because yeah. we we learned together. You yeah. Know, we, yeah, we learned together. You know, it was, uh, it was funny listening to uh, – you know, listening to Coach Cobra on your podcast, and it was like, man, some of the stuff that he was saying is like, you know <laughs> – like man, we did that together. I yeah. I remember that, you yeah. know, and it was uh so it, it was pretty cool that we uh it was a, it was a great bond that that we had there as a as a staff and I think by us as junior high uh coaches getting elevated around the same time as those uh junior high players were elevating up to high school level, I think it you know, it, it panned out in the you know, in the sense that we that's why we had so many deep runs and, yes. and different things like that. It was a it was a it was a great camaraderie between staff and player. Well coach, let's let's talk now about Angleton. Uh, yeah. you've been there for uh I, th- I think you were there for a few years and left for one year and now you're back. Um man, if anyone's been paying attention to high school football, especially in the Houston area and in five A, uh, you know, Angleton is a school that is just year in, year out um, challenging for a championship. I know in 2017, y'all lost uh, to Manville in the state semis. Is that correct? That was your only correct. loss, I believe, of the season. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And then, um, and then obviously this year, uh, had another great run. It was lost in the, I think, in the second round to uh, remind me who that was to. To uh, Hutto. Hutto, right. Another, mm-hmm. another very good Hutto team. So um, we've had a chance to see you guys on film before and, and watching common opponents and have a, have a lot of respect for. 
how you how y'all play and and how you, how well your guys are coached up. So, uh, just talk to us about the success that y'all been able to maintain while you're there at Angleton, and what what's been the key to that success since you've been there. Well, I will tell you what, uh, Coach Coach Roark came here in 2011. I want to I think it is uh, along with uh, Coach Britton, who who's now currently the head coach, and they really came in and 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 laid a great foundation. All right, laid a great foundation, and it's something that has grown and evolved each and every year, um, which I think has made for an even better transition now that Coach Britton is our head coach. One, one thing that, you know, we one of our mottos is, uh, and, and, and it's something that Coach Britton is constantly uh, preaching to the kids, how we do anything is how we do everything. Yeah. And the kids really, uh, they buy into that. Uh, they really buy into that that motto, and 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 that goes. I mean, every single thing that we do, uh, from the from the classroom to the uh, our boot camp to our uh, off season to just the way we carry ourselves on and off the field. Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything, and that that's one of the staples uh, of this program. Uh, Coach Coach Britton is truly a uh, an amazing defensive mind but he's truly an uh, uh up and coming he, he's a, he's gonna be a he, he he's something special yeah he's something special and he he does a great job the kids uh really respect him gravitate to him and so he it's, it's a true blessing to be able to uh to work for coach uh britain well i love what you said about it you know how you do anything is how you do everything uh, i've heard that before and and really you know if that's your foundation then there's not there's really no need to have a whole bunch of rules or do this don't do that or say this say that or you know be here so that applies to classroom being on time um you know screwing up in the weight room or or, or cutting reps in the weight room you know those guys who do that stuff they're the same guys who are screwing up on friday nights and costing you plays or games or whatever so that's a great foundation to have and a great thing to remember for all of us as coaches to make sure we are being consistent in all areas uh, when coaching up our kids, whether it be the classroom, uh, just the way they behave as as young men, and, and of course the way they perform as athletes. Absolutely. Well, and now, as we get ready to move into some actual defensive line stuff, we're going to really focus on an aspect of defensive line play that oftentimes gets overlooked, and and is and is in my opinion definitely one of the most underrated aspects of defensive line play. And I know for sure one that I didn't really realize uh, how important it was until. Uh, a few years into my coaching career. And so what we're going to talk specifically about today is, is eye discipline. So first of all, why is eye discipline so important for defensive linemen? For one, it's uh, the most least trained thing in, in, in football, especially for a defensive line play. You ask any young defensive lineman, uh, what do you want to do? And they're going to say, I want to make tackles. I want to make tackles. I want to make tackles. Well, uh, a lot of times with that, you know, Younger defensive linemen always want to look in the backfield. All right, so the you know over time, you know the, the one of the, the biggest things that we just got through spending last week all in meetings. One of the biggest things that we talked about, uh, and I break it down for them in the sense of the guy that you're lined up on. If you're a five technique, you know weak side in. The guy that you're lined up on is A. Okay, the heel line is B. All right, and that backfield is C. The, that's the way your eyes have to progress, okay? The the guy A, he's going to tell you exactly 
where you need to be and what's going on. Okay. Secondary heel line is going to tell you next. If you get a non-aggressive block, if age is non-aggressive and you don't look respect that heel line, it's a great chance you might get kicked out. Yep. Okay. If if your eyes transition from A to C, so we we break it down to where our eyes are going from man to heel line to the backfield. Okay, that's the way I uh, I teach the progression of the eyes and some of the things that we we do as far as training eyes. Any any time that we like our warm up drills for as uh, if we're doing fast hands, fast feet. You know, I heard uh, I think Coach Colbert tell you about that drill. That's yep. just where we're activating yep. the hands, we're activating the feet. Uh, sometimes we do it under shoots. Sometimes we do it, you know, over bags. Sometimes we do it over cones. Whatever it may be, we're activating the hands and feet. One thing I do as a coach, I just kneel down in front of that line or in front of that shoot, and I'm just gonna give them a number. I'm gonna give them a number, and they gotta recite back, hey, what, three, four, five, whatever that number is that I, that I show them with my hands. That way, I, they're moving their hands, moving their feet, but at the same time, they're trusting their eyes. They're trusting what you see. They're uh, practicing playing with your eyes. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that's one of the ways that we, we, we work it as far as uh, teaching uh, playing with the eyes. Um, secondly, the, um, you know, kids, when we, when they come to the line, uh, you know, it's, it's eight different keys. I feel like that's uh, a part of being a successful defensive lineman. The first thing, and I, I kind of adopted first four, from Coach Britton, it was already a part of uh, my kids, but one thing that we always, as a defense, we ask our kids, they know when we say ASCA, they know we're talking about alignment, we're talking about stance, we're talking about key, and we're talking about assignment, okay? And then the last four that are, uh, uh, the last four keys to being a successful defensive lineman, we talk about get off, we talk about target punch, we talk about escape, and we talk about our pursuit, Okay, and those are the, the, the keys to being a uh, successful defensive lineman. And I'll start it off with alignment. Like, we're talking eyes. All right, if I'm a five technique in, the first thing we're going to know is, hey, I'm keying, I'm periffing the ball, and I'm keying the V of the neck of the man that, that, that I'm shaded on. Okay, so my eyes are, are very critical from the very start. Okay, I'm attacking. We two-point ends here at Angleton. Okay. so. Being in a two-point, we're going to keep via the neck. Yep. If I'm down in a uh, you know three-point stance, I like to keep the knee, the near knee. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're, we're going to all – the eyes are very critical to whether I'm getting a non-aggressive, an aggressive, or a hi-hat. All right? Does that make sense? Yep, yep. All right, and so that's that's the, 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 the first thing that they're going to know as far as uh, knowing their alignment, knowing, okay, my eyes, I'm keying ball to man, so I'm peripheral the ball, keying man. All right, then we move off into our stance. Um, here, in, here in Angleton, we, we, we do what we call a bomber, where we're, we're chasing. So we're not necessarily just trying to get hands uh, on the offensive tackle. So if I get a non-aggressive block, I'm chasing. I'm chasing the heel. I'm running the heel line, okay? If I get an aggressive block, I'm going to do what I call a post technique, where I'm attacking that V of the neck. I'm fighting pressure with pressure, locking that guy out, and I'm setting the edge right there, keeping my shoulders square and my feet high. Yep. Okay, and so that's that's what we transition to in when we're talking about stance. Uh, then when we talk about uh, key, all right, then we we know. Actually, we just go through those progressions again in our mind and with our eyes to know that hey, this is the um, 
the route and the progression I have to go in. And so if, if, if anything is, is, is out of order right there, then nine times out of ten it's going to probably be a bad situation for us as, uh, as defensive linemen. Yeah. Well, I, I like that you said, uh, you know, where you're talking about, you know, if I'm in a three-point stance, whether I'm a three-tech or I'm a five-shade, or even if I'm, you know, playing an interior technique, you know, be it a four-eye or a two-eye or whatever, uh, then I'm keying the near knee uh, of that, that lineman that I'm in front of. And then we also two-point our D-line, D-line our defensive ends, uh, just depending on if that if that kid can do that or, or, or not. But, yeah, same thing. I think it's key to give those guys a specific thing to look at because if you're just having them look – then, then their their eyes are going to travel over the place. But if they're keying on one specific body part of that offensive lineman, then like you said, that offensive lineman, that, that body part is never going to lie to them. It's going to tell them exactly where the play is going. And, and I, 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 I always the phrase we always use is aim small, miss small. That's stealing that from uh, the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, that, and, and, or, or the other other one we'll use is you know see a little, see a lot. And so just focusing on that that little, you know that that small area will give you a whole lot of information uh, you know, uh, know, about that play. There's a lot of information that we can get from just looking at those, at that body part. So like, like you said, I think that's key uh, to have those guys be, you know, to, to looking at that pre-snap. So, Coach, tell us about your pre-snap procedure that you have your guys go through. Yeah, the first thing we do, we, we, we want to know what's the situation, all right? Uh, the players, they, they have to be aware of, of what's going on in the game and our goals within those certain situations, uh, whether that situation is two-minute, you know, four-minute, sudden change, offense coming out. Um, so coaches on the field, you know, if it's, if it's third and two, all right, we're, gonna, we, we, we're pounding our chest, letting kids know, hey, hard, 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 hard. We're expecting a hard count. So just knowing, knowing the, the, the situation, knowing that a team is behind the sticks, you know, in front of, you know, just knowing every situation – uh, of the game and being dialed in. Uh, secondly, the, the the procedure between the snaps. We want to get to the line of scrimmages as, as quick as possible as, as defensive linemen and then get our eyes to the sideline. And once we get our eyes to the sideline and we receive the signal, the call, whatever it may be, then it's immediately we're, 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 we're listening for our strength and then it's, a, it's, a, it's constant communication. We remind our kids each and every day that communication is two-way. All right, communication is two-way. It's not always verbal communication. Sometimes it's nonverbal, but we want our kids constantly communicating and not keeping anything a secret, a secret because we're all out there together. Yes. And we and we, we tell we tell the guys, you know, if if if, if we're all wrong, then we're all right. That's okay? right. But but we we got to have constant communication uh, in between snaps. So ball snapped. What's the relationship between? A player's eyes and hands. How are those? How are those married together? I tell you what. The the way and I, and I teach them uh, from the ground up. Or I teach them from the ground up. The first thing I want to see activate are the hips. Yeah. Okay. So we go hips, hands, and the feet are gonna run behind it all. All right. So I know if I'm if I got fast active hips. All right. I'm gonna have fast active hands and I'll have fast active feet. If my hips never move, my 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 hands will never activate like they should, and now I know my my feet will be slow. Okay, and wherever my a lot of times you know we again and that goes back tying in with the eyes. If my if my eyes are in the wrong spot, all right, if my eyes are in the wrong spot, then my feet are going to be in the wrong spot. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
when we talk about our progression as far as how we're activating when we're coming off post-snap, it's always hips, hands, feet. Hips, hands, feet. The kids, that's one thing I harp on all the time, you know, hips, hands, feet. They know that that's the progression. And the way I break that down, we start off, you know, what I call a fit and escape drill. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably one of my everyday drills, something we do every day as far as the run game goes, where we're starting in a six-point stance, and we're already attached to the offensive lineman. And the first thing we want to uh, that I want to see move are the hips, firing of the hips, firing of the hips, squeezing the glutes, squeezing the glutes. All right. Then as we get that separation, then the second part we'll work is being able to escape off the block. All right. But the hips lead the hands, and then the, I'll tie in the feet once we go to a, a two point. Okay. All right. Uh, we talked about defensive linemen and how. Uh, young defensive linemen, how important eyes are, especially to those guys, and how um, when the ball snapped, their eyes immediately want to go to the backfield. Talk about Correct. some some problems that arise with the defensive linemen that are a result of eye violations or undisciplined eyes. Oh man, the the first the first thing that pops up in my mind, you know, for as undisciplined eyes, are, I mean, setting yourself up to get kicked out. Uh, you're setting yourself up, you know, you're for you know traps. Uh, you know, powers, uh, sniffer kicks, any, I mean, you, you're setting yourself up to get kicked out because you, of, of uh, and, the, and I tell my guys all the time, the, the backfield, it, it, it lies to you. The only thing we do as far as backfield recognition is that we, when the huddle breaks, I want all, my, you know, my, my ends to know personnel. Uh, yeah. Do we have 10? Do we have 20? What, you know, what kind of personnel do we have? formation wise that's telling us the story all right now we're just working my eyes go immediately to my key and i'm waiting on my key to give me confirmation yeah okay whether it's in uh if i'm if it's 10 personnel back is offset to me all right chances are i'm, I'm probably about to get a non-aggressive block okay and and so i know right now in, in our defense i'm chasing so i'm getting ready to get on my horse and freaking go get that that back and i'm probably about to get a non-aggressive block since the back is offset to me. If the back is offset away from me, boom, eyes on my man, I'm attacking it, but I'm expecting uh, to get an aggressive block. Right. Okay? And so uh, that's the only that's the only thing I, I, I teach them to look for as far as backfield goes, understanding personnel and what can hurt you right now. Okay? Um, and then right after that, we're going to transition. Like I said, our eyes are going to go to man, Man the heel line, heel line the backfield. Uh, one one of the biggest things um, you see these days, you know, teams wanting to run, you know, all the power read and uh, the you know some places call it Oregon, where they, you got the uh, the lateral mesh point and that quarterback is just kind of reading the end. Right. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of times, you know, uh, guys, um, it, it, it's it's a successful play because of an undisciplined end. You know, and that, that's usually why plays like that are successful to whereas if you get your eyes, you know, on your man right now, you, you, your man gave you non-aggressive block, you got a puller coming at you, you fit underneath and you take that inside threat. Coach, that's, yeah, that's a great point. And one of the, it's, it's kind of like the old adage you're talking about the backfield line to you that, you know, that offensive line, you know, one thing we always say, offensive line is like your mama. They ain't never going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> that, that backfield's like your girlfriend. It's going to lie to you and tell you what you think you want to hear, and it's going to end up burning you. And That's so, exactly right. And so for sure, you know, I think anybody who ever's played defensive line, 
has you know woken up from a play looking out of their ear hole because they they ran they they got a down block and they ran upfield and they didn't see the pulling guard or they didn't see the the fullback or the sniffer or whatever coming and kicking them out so that usually teaches them pretty quick but you know hopefully as coaches we want to try to you know keep those guys from having to learn the hard way uh, you know, getting kicked out a few times. But, you know, a lot of times that's what it takes for those guys to get their bell rung a few times before they learn that, dude, you better get your eyes on your keys. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night for you. And, and you're exactly right. That's that's exactly sometimes what it takes. Uh, you know, you, you get ear by a guy, you know, two times. You're going to learn, hey, I better respect that heel line and be able to get underneath anything that's coming. And, and it's funny you say about the uh, about the mama lying to you, different things like that. The uh, or your mama never lying to you, uh, as far as the lineman goes. I call that backfield. You know, I don't. You know, as soon as the, they look back there first, you got lovers' eyes. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, oh, what do you mean, Coach Lover? Well, okay, you saw that pretty girl and you wanted to look at her, all right? But you didn't see a big ugly boyfriend coming down that track, coming down that hill line, and That's boom, right. you got kicked out because you got lovers' eyes. And so yeah, they all laugh and get a kick out of that. Yeah, but it's, uh, man, I may have uh, to steal that, coach. I'll give you credit though. I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit. <laughs> you <know what> I... <laughs> yeah, you got. But it's it's like I say, you have you have to train your eyes, you have to play with your eyes, and you have to trust and attack what you see. All right, you got to trust and attack what you see. Well, what about a uh, pad level? Do do eyes affect pad level any? Yeah, now. Again, and that and that goes back to what are you asking the, the the guys to do? You know, with with being in the two point stance, um, you know, initially when when we talked two point stance, I was I was I was hesitant for the for the simple fact that a, a guy a young guy wants to look back there anyway. So now that he's already in the two point stance, he's gonna play high. He's gonna have his eyes in the back. Yeah. He's gonna get driven off the ball. Well, the way we've kind of helped offset some of that is by with a, how aggressive and how fast we play so now you know by us being in the two point it, it really doesn't affect us uh by being in the two point because we're chasing uh we're playing fast behind you know uh, non-aggressive blocks anyway yeah does that make sense yeah yeah you know a lot of times when, when you are when you because it seems like every year um you know coming out of fall camp that uh, one of the biggest things I know that we're having problems with is our pad level and getting off blocks, you know, getting getting into offensive linemen and not being able to escape. And I think both mm-hmm. of those are, are symptoms of bad eye, you know, bad eye discipline yep. uh, because guys are, again, like you said, they got lover's eyes. They're looking over the fence. They're peeking over the fence. They're not looking at the guy in front of them, the guy they're fighting, and they're giving up pad level. They're giving up their chest. And so now those guys are able to get in. You know, those offensive linemen are able to get a punch on them and get – that inside leverage, and and so um, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. I think those I think eyes is the key to everything, um, and and so thinking about that, let's move into an area where it it, it may not be or maybe less obvious. Uh, the importance of eyes might be less obvious. But let's talk about pass rush. How can eyes help me as a pass rusher? Well, I would say that uh, as far as pass rushing, the way eyes help you uh, in in pass rushing is being able to understand and know what you're getting from that guy. You know, I, I, I basically tell our guys, you're going to see, bottom line, you're going to see one of three blocks. Are you going to see an, an aggressive, a non-aggressive, or a hi-hat? That's that. Those are the, the umbrellas. You can call them, yeah. you know, pulls, whatever you want to, but it's aggressive, non-aggressive, yeah. or a hi-hat. Yeah. If I if I get a hi-hat, all right, because of the – I won't, I don't ever want to sacrifice, necessarily sacrifice speed or, or my get-off, 
So I'm going to always go speed to power. I got a high hat. I'm rushing. I'm still working a half a man, but I'm going speed to power. Meaning, if I get a hi hat, all right, and say it ends up being a high wall, so to say, yep. the, the minute I feel aggressive or I see the guys just really trying to invite me upfield, I'm going to attack. I'm going two to one, sticking with that long arm, and I'm trying to constrict that gap down and sit. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if he continues, if I, if I recognize, okay, it's, it's a true hi hat pass rush, boom, I'm attacking him against speed. I'm going to work half a man, and then I'm going to transition into uh, my, my, you know, flipping my hips, shooting my rib, or I'm going to transition into a power. I really like the long arm. I'm a fan of the long arm transitioning from speed to power. Yeah, Coach, I think that's a you, – you mentioned it, in there, and as we get ready to get into some pass for us stuff specifically, you know, you mentioned the long arm, and, and that's actually something I was working with some guys today. I got – you know, just every year, you kind of have to tailor your your pass rushing moves for your clientele. You know, some years you got short, uh, shorter guys that that have shorter arms, and and obviously the long arm, uh, that ain't gonna work well for them. But but I have you know kind of way way it's set set up this year. We got some longer, uh, sort of uh, lankier kids that that uh, maybe not not quite as powerful, but can use those long arms to to stick that inside or that 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 chest play to that offensive lineman to tur- help turn the corner. But but again, talking about eyes, like like I said, I think you know, you have your eyes on that guy to be able to diagnose what kind of sets you're getting, uh, where their pass rush is breaking down, where that quarterback is. So um, yeah, I think eyes are extremely important pass rush as well. Well, let, let's talk about because that it's a, it's an interesting uh, take on things. Um, are y- y'all are an even front? Is that right? Correct. We're four to so, five. Yes. So um, you know. I, that's something I think you're starting to see more and more of playing defensive ends from a two-point position. So before we talk about the pass rush stuff, tell me about you know how y'all arrived at that decision to play guys in a two-point stance. Well, I think it, 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 you start playing teams more of a you know teams that are trying to get to the perimeter team, you know more spread teams, and you start getting but, but I, I, you need a different kind of athlete you yes. know at, at end, and so we've kind of adopted kind of like that that TCU mindset that I see a lot of other teams starting to do these days where if like this past year my my two starters were uh, a converted safety and a converted linebacker yeah and so you really have a great chance of, of selling that guy on playing that in position when it's standing up as opposed to him thinking he's just a defensive lineman that's in a three-point stance yes. taking on blocks yeah yeah and, and you're also able to take complete and full advantage of their athleticism. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we made that transition with these uh, these two seniors that I had to spare. We made that transition as far as two-pointing uh, when those guys be- uh, became varsity football players, and and it, and it helped us out uh, tremendously because we were able to, like I say, we were able to take full advantage of, of their athleticism, and it was something that they bought bought into because they, they I mean, it almost made them feel like skill guys still exactly exactly yeah coach you're exactly right i have you know we, we have guys and and usually it's something that they earn the right to do you know it's it's usually as those guys get older and more and more comfortable with what they're doing uh we allow them you know, kind of give them a longer leash and allow them to get in a two-point stance and it's amazing just like you said how it, it gets those guys excited and they feel like you know they're they're an outside linebacker and, and and same thing we have converted linebackers and converted running backs and stuff over there playing defensive ends so when you tell them they're going to be in a two-point stance 
and and occasionally they may zone drop and have a chance for an interception <laughs> or tipping a screen or something. Absolutely. You know Absolutely. That, that that's another way to get a little bit more buy-in from those guys. So so that's a great point. Now talk about your stance for those guys. How does it vary from the guys who are in a three-point stance? All right, with our two-point, we're going to get in the tilt. And what what I usually tell those guys is that, you know, for one, I want you to be comfortable, all right? But we're going to tilt if the only time, you know, normally I, I want to be within arm's reach of the guy. You know, yeah. I don't want so much separation to where, yeah, we're not asking you to necessarily get hands on them, but at the same time, I don't want you so far away to where, you're 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 taking you're setting yourself up to get kicked out or you're right. setting yourself up uh to be to never have a chance of tackling that back that's offset to your side on full zone. So I tell them to get within, you know, arms distance apart. Like I say we're gonna tilt. Same concept as a you know, we teach man hand, man foot if it's a three point. All we're doing now is I'm in a two point, my man foot is back, but I'm slightly tilted. What about their hands? Are there are their hands sort of hanging down or they got them up in a you know, in a, in a, in a punch position. Uh, talk about that. What I tell them, I tell them play with some personality. You know, I, I don't like want to see you like right now. I have some, you know, some young guys that are, that are not only just young, but they're, they're uh, young and they're new to this end position. So they're really like real rigid, real stiff right now. Loosen up, play with some personality, whether that, you know, playing with that personality is, is, is your arms hanging down. Like you're, you're, you're a DB. I really would prefer you having your hands up ready to attack just in case you get that uh, aggressive block so we can get hands on that guy right now in post. Uh, always uh, try to teach them to uh, – I don't like hands dropping below the belt. So, yeah. to say, I, I, I want my hands always up in a ready position. But at the same time, I don't want you so rigid to the point to where you're you're stiff. I want you loose. I want you to be able to – you know, I want you to be an athlete. Uh, play with some personality. Well, so now as you get ready to, uh, to to rush those guys and coach those guys on pass rush, and you said you talked about you know you're going to build everything around from speed to power, uh, from 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 attacking and getting that offensive lineman trying to get him vertical and, and get him to that point uh, where his pass rush is going to break down. And so when you're when you're looking at those guys, uh, especially we're talking about those stand up ends. Uh, do you teach them all the same pass rush moves and let them choose what they want to do, or there? How do you coach up pass rush moves with those guys? Well, first I, I try to see what their skill set is. I try to see what their skill set is, and based off that skill set, we usually work a move and a counter off of it. You okay. don't need a you know you don't need a ton of moves. the 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 only the only thing that I personally don't teach. Now, if I got a kid that has a special skill set, uh, you know, I might teach him. But the one thing that I, I, I'm very, very slow to teach is a spin move. Yeah. Uh, because you, if, you, if you teach a kid a kid to spin or you give him the green light to spin, it'll be third and two and he'll be spinning. Yeah, you're uh, right. You're and, right. Exactly. So yeah. I, yeah, yeah. And so I, that's the one move that I don't teach. Uh, so like so I usually teach. Again, I'll give you a move, and I'll give you a count off of it, and it really just depends upon what that person's skill set is. Uh, this year, my strong side end was more of your, you know, six foot, two fifteen, uh, extremely explosive, a strong guy, and my weak side end was more of your six three, two hundred fifteen pound, uh, very long limbed type body. So with the long limbed guy, I wanted to make sure. That we were always never sacrificing speed and getting off the football, but because you're so long, 
get those hands on that guy, transition speed to power, but still working a half a man. All right, now whether that's with him, I gave him the green light to kind of go arm over some because he because he was a longer guy, whereas with my shorter, uh, stronger guy, once we made contact with that tackle, everything was a, a club, flipping our hips, chop rip, different things like that. We wanted yeah. to stay underneath the pads because right. most offensive tackles were much taller than he were. Yeah, talk about that, um, you know, because, again, I think that's where guys can get into trouble of of sort of doing this blanket approach of pass rush because, you know, you're talking about an over-movement. And I stopped calling it a swim um, because that, that comes that just brings to mind guys, you know, what we call window washing, yep. uh, going way over that offensive lineman's helmet and, and exposing their ribs and also raises their pads and their, their, their shoulder pads and their hips up. And so we just say throw, throw a punch. Um, but again, like you said, there are certain guys who can do that and certain guys who can't. So why can't some of those guys do that punt or do that, that, that over move and some guys can, what's, what's the deal with that? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, you, you come, you, for one, it's film study, uh, you know, studying what your opponent, what those offensive tackles are, are, are doing, or what yeah. are, are they giving you, is he a guy that's, uh, he's going to jump you. If he's going to jump you, then you know, okay, this week, you know what, this guy, he's aggressive, he's going to jump you, so right now, we can give him a hard, all right, which I call it a hard is like a jab, I can give him a jab, and I can come back underneath him, but once I come back underneath, I know I got to press vertical towards the upfield shoulder of that quarterback, Right. all right, to, to not give up leverage, all right, uh, if you got a guy that's, uh, you know, more of that, you know, kind of slow-footed, heavy-legged, what I call waist bender, he's going to kind of just take a a quick set and kind of lunge at you, then he's a guy, you know, right now you can kind of come over the top of. Uh, or not necessarily come over the top. You, again, you're coming over that arm, you're flipping your hips, you're coming over that arm and getting outside of him because he's, he's leaning, he's a leaner. Um, right. So, uh, again, really under, like a opponent study, just, just seeing what the yeah. guy's going to give you and then really just knowing what your guys can do. Uh, knowing what you guys can do. Scheme, a lot of times we uh, we use scheme to kind of generate some pass rush, but if we're just in normal, natural downs, I want to be able to uh, come hard off that edge and, and, again, just take full advantage of uh, being able to harass the quarterback. The only time if I get even with the quarterback, if I'm even with the quarterback, I, I, I'll usually teach a slide by where I'm coming underneath yeah. as opposed to just spinning to come back underneath. Right. Right. That way their their eyes are never going off the quarterback. That's exactly uh, right. That's uh, exactly right. And I always tell our guys, as we're rushing, okay, once I see that quarterback's guy and his hand is coming off the football, I'm getting my hand up. Right. I'm getting my hand up. It's hard to throw a ball through a picket fence. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm not leaving my feet, but I want to get my hands up as I continue to close ground, all right, to make him – you know, eat the football. Yeah. All right. Not, not, I'm not leaving my gap. I'm not losing my leverage points. I'm still maintaining that cage around that quarterback, but I want to make sure I'm getting my hands up because I want to harass the quarterback every chance I get when it's a true passing uh, situation. Well, great stuff, coach. Uh, coach, one, one question I always uh, usually close with is, is since we're in the off season, uh, you know, guys are always looking for ways to, to get better as coaches and, and get their guys better. What's one thing you're looking to do this offseason to get better as a coach? Well, I'll tell you, I, I usually try to um, do the traditional, uh, you know, clinics and uh, listen, uh, go listen to uh, coaches talk. I, I will 
visit a couple college spring practices, even high school spring practices, talking football. But I tell you, I, I, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast as well, man. It's been a great uh, learning tool. Uh, I've tried to, I think I've listened to all but one, and that was the, the most recent one you've posted. So that, that's been a, a great learning tool this off season. And also, I, I'm a reader. I like to read. And so anything, uh, whether it's uh, – I'm a John Gordon fan, so I, I read a lot of uh, you know his books. I just, I just, I, I like to read. So yeah. anything like that to kind of keep my mind sharp. Watching a lot of film, just different, different things like that to kind of uh, keep my edge, keep keep me sharp. Yeah, well, and coach, uh, that check for 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 putting the plug in for the podcast that 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 check is coming to you in the mail. So just be checking <laughs> the mailbox in the next couple of days, and I'll be, <laughs> be getting it to you. Now I appreciate it. Yeah, coach. Uh, there's there's so many ways to get information and to grow as as coaches, and that's on us. You know, we're asking our kids to grow in the off season and get better, and um, I think that it's it's on us to do the same thing. And I and I one of the, I think the benefits of doing this podcast, and I mentioned it, and the reason why I jumped into it is because it's constantly causing me to daily engage other coaches and and reevaluate why am I doing what I'm doing and and already in just the short time we've been doing this I hear things and I'm like wow that I hadn't thought about that before and or I need to I need to really reconsider what I'm saying or doing and or it, it affirms what I'm already doing and so right um, I think any any time that we can uh, just engage in and 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 some of that self reflection of what we're doing and why we're doing it is always a positive thing well absolutely uh, so coach. Uh, tell us the best way f- for these guys to uh, get a hold of you uh, if they want to um, ask you a question or or um, pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, I can always, uh, of course, be reached by uh, on Twitter at uh, the coach G underscore G. Uh, also, my email is uh, gistorp97 uh, at yahoo dot com, and yeah. so I can always be. That's probably the, the easiest ways to, uh, to to reach me. Well, coach, we appreciate it, coach. Thanks so much for. Uh, coming on um, i know that y'all are uh, priming up for another great season over there in in angleton and i want to wish you the best of luck absolutely i appreciate it man like i said and i'll leave with this you know I, you know everything is great you know we all have different ways of teaching and and uh, techniques and different things like that but uh, the, the bottom line of, of it is is that we're in the kid business and those kids they don't care what we know until they know that we care so if you're coaching kids man give them y'all it's a, it's a great profession and it's something that we all signed up to do and take it serious and give those kids your best every single day. Great stuff, Coach. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you, Coach. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach Gistor for coming on and talking with us today. Our quote of the day comes from former Michigan head football coach Bo Schembechler. Every day you either get better or worse. You never stay the same. Coaches, if you're liking the podcast, make sure to go in and give us a five-star review and also leave us a comment. I'm always interested in hearing what you guys have to say about what we're doing here on the show. And until next week, keep your pads down.